The following is a presentation of Renfrew Baptist Church, a community of faith that exists to create obedient followers of Jesus Christ who love God and love people. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are holy, that you are more than enough, that you reveal yourself to us uh, in our daily life. You reveal yourself through Scripture. You reveal yourself through songs that we sing and are familiar with or songs that we're not familiar with. We worship you. We adore you. We thank you that you are a God who lavishes his love upon his children. We celebrate fathers today, knowing that our most pure and holy and greatest father is you. Thank you for being a God who sent his son to die for our sins. We love you in your name. Amen. All right. Megan has left the premises, but Megan has a special bag for us guys. Uh, so when we're leaving today, guys, make sure you see Megan because uh, she'll be at the door there. She is going to give us chocolate bars. So if my message is useless for you, at least you have 30 minutes to wait for a chocolate bar. So uh, we want to celebrate all guys, uh, whether you're a father in the physical sense, you have the title of father like I do to Marison McCulley, or you are a guy who... <laughs> is going to be a father, you're going to mentor, you're going to walk alongside of uh, generations. So make sure that you pick up a chocolate bar. Megan went to hard work not only to buy the chocolate bars, but they're decorated. So if I was buying the chocolate bar, it would be in a wrapper. It's still in a wrapper, but there's like bow ties and ties and I said to Megan at the back that she needs to make friends. So. Uh, <laughs> Um, I'm excited to journey today. So Trent has taken us on this great journey, uh, this journey that has involved us kind of looking at what are the gifts that, that, that God gives us? What are the great gifts that God gives us? Trent had us focus, and it's going to come on the screen, kind of to review where we've been. We started this journey looking at the, the gift of life, and always with the gift of life, we need to operate in a, in a mindset of gratitude. What does it actually look like to actually be people that are thankful people or people that actually walk in gratitude? Trent had us focus in on John 1.16 where it said, Out of his fullness, out of the completeness of who God is, we've received grace in place of the grace that already has been given. It's an overflowing bucket. It doesn't end. Last week, Trent had us focus on the gift of Jesus, where truly there is no greater gift. Do you remember the verse that, that was found in, in John chapter 10 that Trent talked about? John chapter 10, 10, where it says, the thief tries to come and steal it, and we know that this week, the thief would have come to steal, kill, and destroy. He might come and try to steal our joy. He might try to steal relationships that, that we have with one another. He looks for wedges that he can get in and kill and destroy that. And then Jesus stands above that and goes, I've come that you may have life 
and have it to the full. So today I'm going to look at something we as North American Baptists don't really talk about a lot. It's okay. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, for us, I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We're going to use this as a springboard, and then we're going to come right into Acts, where the Holy Spirit is talked about a lot. So John chapter 20, verse 20. It says this. We're going to have a lot of verses, so you're going to do your best to flip, but if you don't necessarily get there, it'll be on the screen. You can write it down, look at it later. John chapter 20, verse 20. After he said this, talking about Jesus, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, and always Jesus, when we look at him, he's always peace. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them, which is interesting. We'll have a little fun with that breathe. Remember, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, when God created man, what did he do? He breathed his breath into man. We actually carry the breath of God. So this isn't just nice uh, words. This isn't just a nice little movie scene that we see. It's actually the breath of God again. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, then you are, they are not forgiven. You know, as, as I wrestled through this this week, I, I kept coming back to the, the mindset that I have is, I really believe that we've lost sight of the power that the Holy Spirit actually has in our lives. Maybe we've lost it, or even what I would say in my life, I've become comfortable squashing or eliminating the power that is contained in the Holy Spirit. I mean, Jesus said this, he said, I'm not going to be with you any longer, I'm giving you a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is actually going to help you function in this world. How I like to function in the world is, let's see how far Matt can get, and then at the end, let's kind of bring the Holy Spirit in, just in case it didn't work out for Matt. Do you remember what it says in, in Acts chapter 1-8? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, there really isn't any one quality that supersedes other qualities when it comes to what is the greatest gift in this month we are talking about, what are the great gifts that, that God gives us. There's not just one gift that we could look at and go, man, that supersedes it. But if you were asking me my opinion, I would really have to say the Holy Spirit is one of those great gifts that, that God has given us. Uh, Romans chapter 8, don't go there. Just look on the screen. Romans eight fourteen says this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. There's an association there. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves. It's not robots. It's not that it, it tells us what to do and is, is having its arms crossed when we don't do what He wants us to do. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought your adoption to sonship, brought you into the family. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Now, if we are his children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if we indeed 
We share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Uh, Someone said this this week, that the Holy Spirit is the, the choreographer who designs, who arranges, who directs how we function, not only in our life, but also how much the impact of our ministry flows from our church. This is because the Holy Spirit transcends our own ability and empowers us by transforming who we are actually into what God wants us to be. I want you to think back for a second, just in your mind, just kind of use your imagination. The the disciples are hiding out behind closed doors. But suddenly on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the disciples become these enthusiastic, knowledgeable, powerful, Holy Spirit-led, and they actually change the world. You and I are in churches today because of those early disciples. The Holy Spirit isn't your conscience. Sometimes that's how we just dumb down the Holy Spirit. That's how we become comfortable with the Holy Spirit is we just kind of go, it's our conscience. It's not your conscience. It's not the two figures that some of us see in our, in our mind, the, the red one with the, the pitchfork and the other shoulder has the angel on it. That's not the Holy Spirit. Here's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Let me just lay a foundation. It'll be on the screen behind you. The Holy Spirit directs us back into the book that we've been kind of looking at these good gifts from. John 16, 13 says this, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. So the Spirit actually directs us. It shows us what's true. The the second thing the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit delivers us. Now, I want you to think back to Sunday school. Many of you attended Sunday school, whether it was here or somewhere else. Think back to Sunday school. Think back to one of your favorite Sunday school stories would have been Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We had a song that we would sing. When King Nebuchadnezzar threw them into the fiery furnace because they refused to to worship the image, it says that the fire burned the ropes that bound them. It didn't harm them. In fact, they emerged, when they came out of it, they didn't even smell like smoke. That's the the Holy Spirit. He delivers us. The Holy Spirit also protects us. That's the third thing the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit protects us. 1 John 4 says this, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We need that in this world. Many things that we look at, whether it's on news or as we live in this world, it could completely render us useless. But the Holy Spirit protects us. Some of you have this ability that the Holy Spirit actually has been working in your life on is where you actually look at something and go, man, I can see God's handiwork in that even though it's a crappy situation. That's the Holy Spirit. Our normal reaction would be, we're doomed. There's no hope. The Holy Spirit actually gives us hope, and that's one of the ways it protects us. And then the Holy Spirit empowers us. Go back to that Acts chapter 1-8 that we've already declared. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. One of the the favorite prayers that I have from Jesus is found in, in John chapter 17. And as Jesus is praying this, I think the Holy Spirit is interceding on Jesus' behalf because Jesus sees the frailty of these guys. 
These guys weren't the best of the best. These guys, when Jesus fed the 5,000, suddenly these guys are going, hey, can I sit beside you in heaven? Because that's the most important right now. And so as Jesus prays this prayer in John 17, he really understands what the Holy Spirit's role is going to be in these disciples' life. I'm going to remain in the world no longer, but they're still in the world. Jesus says, I'm coming back to you, Father. Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we're one. Well, I was with them. I protected them. I kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost. I haven't lost anyone except Judas, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I love that. I'm I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still here in the world. God, give them the full measure of the joy that I have, the joy that we hear about when Jesus goes, man, I'm going to the cross, even though the pain that's attached there, I find joy in that because I'm fulfilling what God's asked me to do. So this is is where we're headed. We're going to unpack the Holy Spirit a little bit this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 3. We're actually going to spend a little bit of time in Acts chapter 3. Anytime we open up God's Word, we don't want to just read it as a history lesson. It's not just a a newspaper article that we read. We actually want to throw ourselves into it and start to go, okay, where do I see myself? Who am I like? Some of you are going to be like Peter. Some of you might be like John. Some of you might be like a bystander that's just kind of watching what's going on. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. There was a man who was lame from birth. He was being carried by the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Look at verse 4. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him uh, his attention, expecting to get something from him. Then Peter said, silver or gold I don't have. But what I do, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet. He began to walk. Then he went into the temple with them, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Pretty cool story, but this day's like no other day. It completely changed. The the man thought this is going to be just another day. It was only eight weeks ago that that Peter and John had witnessed Jesus' ascension into heaven. Before that, they saw Mary uh, at the tomb. This same Peter ran into the tomb with John standing outside, peering in, witnesses to the empty grave clothes. Maybe Peter was like you and me. He was still struggling with the fact that, man, I denied Jesus. Or maybe in his mind he was thinking, 
okay, Jesus reinstated me, but I'm always going to have that consequence of denying him three times. On this day, Peter and John encountered the lame beggar who they probably saw every day. The lame beggar was over 40 years old. We read that in the next chapter. He spent every day in the same place for his, for his entire life. The interesting thing with the beggar is he represents any person living out their lives without a, another context, without knowing there's anything more. Life looks and feels different when there isn't knowledge of something else. It's just the same old. The, bigger, the beggar lives as he does every other day, just trying to get some food, making most of the pain and the struggle that he faces. Questions of whose fault it is makes no difference because it doesn't really change his life at all. The beggar would have seen Peter and John. And Peter and John would have seen the beggar every day. But today's different. They have a conversation. You see, God sees what we don't see. Think through what actually caught your eyes this week. Some things that you actually saw were what the Holy Spirit wanted your eyes to see. Maybe it's a divine appointment that wasn't supposed to happen until today. And so in the story that we just read from Acts chapter 3, it does. And he begs, do you have some spare change? Anything will help. Maybe even threw in the, God bless you. You see, the, the man was just asking to belong, to fit, to be made whole. Isn't that the same longing of your and my heart? Do you know what the greatest work of the Holy Spirit is? To help people belong and fit and have a purpose again. Peter, he, he went from being identified as the rock on which the church would be built to suddenly being the guy who couldn't associate with his best friend, Jesus. And he comes face to face with the beggar who is asking for something. The lame beggar must have been wondering, what will these men give me? Maybe today he'll hit the jackpot and he'll get enough change that he doesn't need to beg anymore that day. I love verse 6. I can just see Peter saying that silver and gold I have none. Maybe he emptied his pockets and he went, I've got nothing. But in the name of Jesus, walk. What did Peter have to give? You know, Peter could have given him the story, like his own story of, of brokenness restored. Hey, buddy, do you know what? I was just like you, man. I had no hope. Jesus, I did this, and kind of walk away. He could have given him his knowledge. He could have told him all the experiences that Jesus suddenly had with Peter. You know, this is the same Peter who behind closed doors was hiding in fear until the Holy Spirit actually broke into the room. Peter wouldn't have known what to do in this situation. Do you remember the same situation in Matthew 17? The same situation was when a, a boy was possessed by a demon. Jesus arrived and the father of the boy said, and he's pointing at the disciples, I brought my son to your disciples and they couldn't heal him. 
That was before Pentecost. That was before the Holy Spirit coming. That was before anointing, filling, transformation. The perspective is different. Peter has been transformed himself, and he looks at the guy and goes, get up and walk. The account that we've read is not a story of a lame man walking. It's actually our stories about how you and I function in this world. It's what we come face to face with daily. It's the story of a broken man, Peter, inviting another broken man, the lame beggar, to experience the kingdom of God. It's seeing the supernatural and the natural realities of our everyday stories. It's knowing that the brokenness of our sin can be restored and we can walk in fellowship with with God as we were meant to walk from the beginning. That's the work of the, the Holy Spirit. It's the story of belonging, of fitting, of doing what you were created for. If you have your Bibles open, I want you to look down at that Acts chapter 3, verse 11 through 16. Let me just summarize that, and then we're going to jump right into verse 17. This is instruction is in Solomon's colonnade, a place after King Solomon who built the temple, housed this space. It was a place where people constantly were walking about. If you look at verses 11 through 16, we actually see Peter now giving a history lesson that takes him all the way back to Abraham. He wants to diffuse that this wasn't something I did miraculously. This, this was the Holy Spirit. It's about Jesus. Look at verse 17. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he foretold through the prophet, saying that the Messiah would suffer. Repent. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that there may be times of refreshing that come from the Lord. Look at verse 26. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. The beautiful thing about Peter's own story of the lame man's healing and the part that that people had to play in the drama of Jesus' crucifixion is suddenly Peter, the guy who pops off uncontrollably, suddenly has this enormous amount of grace. Peter doesn't remind them so that he could point fingers at them or cast blame. He doesn't scold them. He doesn't even have pride. Peter simply tells them the story that they're pretty much like the lame beggar. We all find ourselves at some point looking like the beggar. Simply asking God to throw us a crumb or a loony our way. But God in his wisdom actually gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could have power in this world. All right, well, let me wrap this up by giving you a few applications from the story that we can put into our context. The very first one, the man at the gate asked for money. It's fascinating to contemplate the fact that this man sat at a 75-foot gate and expected nothing from God. He was at the, at the temple gate. He didn't look for God. He would have lived his, way, his life the same way whether Peter had come or Peter had not. He just wasn't aware of God. Our pitiful, broken lives tend to look around rather than look up. 
You and I have this tendency to just kind of see all these things right in front of us rather than seeing a God who is working way more than we could ever imagine. God doesn't want us or those around us to merely get by, to just have a loony or a crumb thrown our way. God gave us the Holy Spirit so that we can actually see that he is active and alive in this world. He wants so much more from us. When was the last time that you actually looked up and expected something more than what and where we are? God is with us, Emmanuel. The second thing, Peter and John had no interest in supporting the lame man in his condition. Their focus, and this is the supernaturalness that we see in Acts, their focus was that they wanted to redeem him from his condition. While we must respond practically to human needs, we must not lose sight of the most practical thing we can do is to introduce people to Jesus. Jesus didn't die on the cross because we're okay. We're not okay. It's not all good. We must confront our broken reality and out of that walk the road to the invitation of repentance. The gospel is a living, breathing message. And anyone who comes in, into, uh, into a reality with that experiences transformation. True transformation comes when repentance occurs. Here's the reality, though. Peter and John couldn't do anything that they did without being transformed themselves. The third thing, Peter and John couldn't offer something that wasn't a transfer, transforming reality in their lives. If we continue to read the story in Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4, we suddenly see that they're now arrested. Look at, look at chapter 4, actually. Look at verse 8. We suddenly see Peter going from everybody going, wow, we can't believe this happened, to now Acts chapter 4, verse 8, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed that we just did for the crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus, this man is standing before you. This is the same message that everyone needed to hear. Look at verse 13. Now, when the leaders saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. This is one of the most powerful verses you'll read today. And they recognized they had been with Jesus. When was the last time that you and I were with Jesus? Look at verse 23. On their release... Peter and John went back to their own people, reported all that the chief priests and the elders said to them. When they heard this, verse 24, they raised their voices together. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made everything. You spoke by the Holy Spirit, verse 25, through David. Look at verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. See, when we actually walk with the Holy Spirit, we get great boldness. We don't get more fear. That's the easy test in your life. Peter and John weren't going, well, we need to calm it down right now. Let's just kind of bunker down, hold the fort, and then maybe when it dies down, we can speak again. Stretch out your hand, verse 30, to heal and perform signs and wonders. Continue this, they're praying. 
Verse 31. After they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and, and spoke the word of God boldly. Now don't lose this in verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It brings unity to us. No one claimed anything was their own, but they shared everything. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them. There were no needy people among them. Let me end this really simply for us this morning. Having a life that is spirit-led, operating with the Holy Spirit, and empowered by the Holy Spirit is probably the most important quality or gift of them all. And that's because a spirit-filled heart allows us to be forgiving, allows us to be courageous, obedient, faithful, filled with integrity, have grace, having hope, and having a a heart full of praise. A spirit-filled heart also allows us to be servant and wounded healers to everyone we come in contact with. I love this. It causes us as a church to be one in heart and mind. It causes us to claim nothing for ourselves. It causes us to actually see people respond. And so my challenge today for all of us, including myself, is let's be a church with spirit-filled hearts, hearts that are filled to overflowing, set on fire, empowered to be exactly what God calls us to be. And the types of hearts that are going to make a difference in our community and in this world. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to open up your word today. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. Thank you for that gift in the Holy Spirit. Allow us to not just leave the Holy Spirit as something's over there that we don't necessarily understand. Help us to begin to live in, in tune with the Holy Spirit. Give us the eyes to see the things that you see. Give us the heart to break for the causes that break your heart. Give us the hands to do the work which you've called us to. Give us the mouth to speak the words that, that you want us to speak to a world that desperately needs it. We love and adore you. You're a great God. We ask all this in your name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Renfrew Baptist Church, a community of faith that exists to create obedient followers of Jesus Christ who love God and love people.